to trust and obey. turn to Revelation chapter 9, the ninth of Revelation. time. But we're now to the fifth trumpet, the fifth judgment, the fifth trumpet of seven. And I want to say to you this morning that uh, these things are getting increasingly harsh. And that's the way of the judgments in the, in the time of the, rev of the uh, tribulation. That's the way it works. If you don't uh, come to God, if you don't come to Christ, if you don't obey Him, that's a picture of a life. It gets increasingly more difficult. And that's what happens in the judgments. And we have three sets of judgments in the Revelation. We have the trumpets first. And uh, there are all three in sets of sevens. And again, I want to say to you, as you're reading the book of Revelation, it's not in chronological order. And uh, the bold judgments, the wild judgments that come, all the judgments that come, they're, they're in sevens, and there's a, there's a break between the sixth and the seventh of all three sets of sevens, and some added commentary for our understanding. Now, I want to always open every one of these messages with the promise to you that if you are a Christian here this morning, you'll not see this from a perspective of earth, but from heaven. We will have already been raptured out. We're, we'll be home with the Lord. These terrible events that are going to come upon the world in these times, in the, in the trumpets and in the judgments of God after the church has been raptured, are going to be horrific. The world is going to be in a place that is horrific. Today, like no other time in my life, Janet and I are, are, are counseling and talking to people or just sharing with people, honestly, that their lives seem to be falling apart. And the reason is this. It is getting stressful. I believe this. I believe already that part, as we see in this chapter, but already hell itself has been somewhat unleashed. Amen, brother. The Lord has withdrawn his hand of, of um, security off of this nation and the world. But our nation has had a blessing and a security blanket that none others has ever enjoyed. No one has ever enjoyed the, the blessings that the United States have had since our inception, founded by our fathers on the principles of Scripture. And as those principles began to erode, as we, as, as we allowed people to govern who did not believe in those principles, and the more that we do that, the less of God's hand is going to protect our nation. Amen, brother. And we're in those days. 
And we're hearing things now that even in my lifetime, I'm 60, I'll be 65 shortly, in my lifetime I've seen these things come to pass where it wouldn't be spoken in public when I was a boy, and now it's bragged about on, on television. It's, it's hideous. And then we see God's hand saying, if you want that, I'll give it to you. If you want that, I'm going to give it to you. But know this, I'll not be there in the day of calamity. If you choose that, if you choose that, you're choosing your own destruction, and I will not, I will not intervene. Is there, is that mean repentance is, 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 no, it does not mean repentance is gone. But the Lord says this, if you choose that path, you will reap what you have sown. It's a promise of God. It's a promise of God. Be not, be not, be not what? You shall reap it. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. God said, I'm going to come. I'm coming back one day, and I'm going to do exactly what I said I'm going to do. And I, I say this because the judgment seat, uh, it's fascinating for me to listen to other Christians talk about the judgment seat. I don't know what people are thinking. I don't get what people are thinking. We are going to come eyeball to eyeball in the flesh with Jesus Christ. Spirit to spirit. And he's going to look at us. We're the only one there. No one else matters. What did you do with the life I gave you? And I'm telling you this, if you think you've not, you've not performed to this point, today is a brand new day. He is a God of, of, of forgiveness, of healing, of second chances, a God of miracles. He is a God who can make today count like no other day. So I want you to read this chapter with me as we begin the ninth chapter of Revelation, and then we'll, we'll go through it again together. It says in Revelation 9 and 1, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose smoke out of the pit, and the smoke of a great furnace, as the sun, and the air were, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were likened to horses prepared to battle. And on their heads were as it were crowns of gold. And their faces were as the faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women. And their teeth were the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle and they had tails like into scorpions and there were stings in their tails and their power was to hurt men five months and they had a king over them which is the angel of the bottomless pit whose name in Hebrew tongue is Abaddon 
But in the, in the Greek tongue, his name is Apollyon. One woe is past, and behold, there cometh two woes thereafter. Pray with me this morning, if you would. Father, we just thank you for this hour. We thank you for being our Lord and Savior, our God, the one who gives us his word, that we can understand not just who you are, we're so grateful for that, but who we are. And then for this group, who we are in you. Lord, help us not to believe the lies of the world, the destroyer, Satan. Help us not to believe those lies, but to believe only what you have for us. Help us to understand your love for us and your restorative powers, your cleansing, your healing, the washing of your blood. Father, we just want to pray for that this morning of understanding. Help us to see ourselves from your perspective. Help us to know who we are according to the kingdom, not according to the pit. Father, help us this hour to push aside all of our anxious thoughts and our things outside that clutter our minds. But allow us to see Jesus this morning, for we would see him. Bless our time together now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My, uh, my outlines are simple because I'm simple. I think if you look at the Bible, the Bible teaches what you need to know. And so I'm going to put up a, a variety of different outlines over the weeks and see which ones help you learn better. But for me, the Bible answers the Bible. And so uh, you want a title to a sermon today? It's uh, The King, The Key, and The Kill Command. And this is, according to the scriptures itself, the first woe. It says in the 13th verse of the 8th chapter, we just, just previous to this, he said, I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpets. This is the first of three woes. Now, if you don't know what woe means, in the Bible it means sudden destruction without remedy. Woe in the Bible means sudden destruction and that without remedy. There's no going back and making excuses. There's no begging. There's no crying. It is the Lord says, this is what you've, you've decided. This is what you wanted. And so we're going to see the king here in verse um, 11. And we're going to see the key given to the pit and the kill commands. Now, in these two trumpet judgments, the kill commands are different. In the first judgment, it is to not kill anyone, just torture them. In the seventh, in the seventh trumpet, beginning in verse 13 there, we have the command was to kill, and it was to kill millions. But this one's different. This is the progressive nature of judgment. The progressive nature of God's judgment is this. If there's a time in your life that you're under judgment and you will turn, it quits. The judgment of God will be remedied. If there's a time while we're living under Christ's command and his authority, if there's a time that we're living under him, that we're in judgment. If we repent and we turn from our sin, he will stop the judgment. This says, whoa, the judgment's going to go. The, the judgment's going to go on. There's no stopping these judgments. And we see from 8.13 that it is the first woe 
And it says, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven to the earth, and to him was given. Listen now. You need to see with me as we go through this that no matter how bad this gets, and no matter what is going on, Jesus Christ is still in control. He's the one who gave the key. How do we know that? We go back in a moment and we'll see that in Revelation chapter 1, he says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. I am he that has the keys to the bottomless pit. Jesus has them. They're his. You know what? It, I want you to see with me this morning how much rest and how much peace we can get from this one notion that no matter how bad the world gets, he's still in charge. Amen, brother. No matter how bad this gets, he's still in charge. And when he shows his face, folks, when he comes out and says enough is enough, Oh, he's going to be in charge. And it's over. Total, total woe and destruction to those. He says to those who would hurt the earth. He says, I'm going to come back and destroy those who would hurt the earth. That's what's going on today in such a magnitude. It's unbelievable. And so the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven. And we'll look at that in the original language, and you'll find that actually says a star that had fallen a star that had past tense in the original language. A star that had fallen. And so we look back on our scriptures for more understanding of that. I think, it, I think it's, personally, believe it's Satan. It, there's controversy in the, in the commentaries. I think it's Satan for these reasons. But also for uh, verse 2, it says, a star fell. In verse 1, it says, a star fell, and to him, it's a person, and verse 2 says, and he opened, so it's a person. And you go back to Isaiah 14 and 12, and it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? Is star falling from heaven? Well, you know what Lucifer means? The bright and morning star? That's Jesus Christ's title. It means... Brilliant, bright. Isaiah 14 and 15, read it with me. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Satan, thou art fallen from heaven, cut down to the ground, and thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. In Luke, uh, recording in Luke 10 when Christ was teaching his disciples and, and several around listening, he said this unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. I think that's what this is talking about. I believe that. Because it says he, he, and their king, he's the king. And so we have that. Verse 1 is the key to the pit. Jesus says in Revelation 1 and 18, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen and have the keys of hell and of death. All the way through here, we need to look at that one th idea of Christ is completely in authority. Folks, he is now. He is now. If you've ever laid on your pillow and cried real tears and said, Lord, do you see what's going on? It can be for your marriage. It can be for your children. It can be for anything. But have you ever cried real tears at night, two in the morning, and said, Lord, can you see what's happening? Do you know? Do you, you see it? Know this. He knows. 
He knows. I'm, I'm guilty of that prayer myself. And I want to say this to you all the time, my heart knowing that he knew. But it was a child praying for his father's intervention. Will you stop this thing? Will you, will you put your hand to this thing? Will you say enough's enough? Will you do it? And the Lord says very patiently, when they, when they play out their entire plan, we'll get there. The Lord lets them play it out. The judgment, the final judgment has to come when the plan is played out. And so we see this now. He talks about having the keys. Jesus said, I have the keys to hell and death. That's his authority. He never relinquishes that. The literal pit of the abyss is what that means when it talks about hell. And it is, if you look it up, the abode of demons. And so what happens now? It says in verse in 20 of, of Revelation, in verse 10, um, it says, The devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Do you believe that? Forever and ever. People say to me, you believe that, Pastor? You believe that? Pa you believe that's sure. forever and ever? I believe the Bible is 110% accurate. I believe it's forever and ever. And they say to me, what kind of loving God would throw someone in a place like that? Can I tell you this? People choose it with every breath, every moment, every day of their life. They choose their eternity. Forever and ever. And so verse 2, we have, in my opinion, hell opened. It says, and he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Now, do you ever, um, if you're ever going to study the book of Revelation, I want you to know this. It's going to make, it's going to make very little sense to you, or come together um, very sketchily sketchily, sketchy, if in fact you don't know what the other 65 books say. That's right. That's true. If you don't know the rest of the Bible, this is going to be very sketchy. What about times, so you think with me this morning, what about times in the Bible where the sun and the air were darkened? Remember what happened at the cross? Remember what happened back in Egypt? It happened from time to time. The sun stood still one time when they prayed and God had it stand still. But the sun and the air were darkened by reason of smoke of the pit. What's in that pit? Folks. <coughs> when Christ was hanging on the cross, God the Father darkened the darkened this atmosphere. Now I believe this and I don't find it in commentaries. I believe it was just me. But I believe this. The first three hours when Christ was hanging on the cross, God let, God let man see what was going on. The last half was between God and God. The last half, he said, I'm going to put the lights out. I got some business with my son here. It's between me and him. It's between me and him. And I don't know how you see that and what you believe about that, but Jesus hung on the cross for six hours. The first three hours, they saw him hanging in agony. They saw him hanging in agony, and he was, and they were mocking him and sticking their lip out at him and shaking their head and saying, if you be God, come down, save yourself. You saved others, save, save yourself. 
And he loved you and me enough. He said, I won't come down. I'll not do it. Why not? I can save myself in a, in a heartbeat. I, but if I do, I can't save Zach. I can't save Scott. I can't save Dick. I can't save anybody else if I come down. I have to pay the debt, the sin debt. I will not come down. And God allowed that for three hours for his son to be mocked on the cross by a bunch of evil people. Others were standing in tears crying, his mother and John. Others were standing there crying because their Savior, their friend, their son, their loved one was hanging there dying on the cross for something he didn't do. And God shut the light out. And he said, now for the next three hours, I believe it, I'm going to deal with my son here. This is a, this is a father-son transaction. You read Isaac, Abraham taking Isaac to the altar to slay his son. You think, how did he have that kind of strength? I'll say to you this, that was nothing compared to what God did. The other day I read a commentary, a lady held up a magazine to me in, in my salon over there. She held up a magazine and see this, you see this? Phil Donahue said, Phil Donahue said, I can't serve a God who would be so guilty of celestial child abuse. That's so ignorant. That's so ignorant, people. If Christ didn't die, you, you would have to. If Christ didn't pay our hell, we would have to go there. It's not child abuse. It was God paying the debt that we could not pay. It says in verses 3 to 10 now, describe the locusts. And there came out of the smoke the locusts upon the earth, and unto them was what? Given power. God's still in control. He's allowing these things. Unto them was given power. And I say in kind of parenthetically now, that the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them. What now? They were given power and a command. It was commanded them they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Am I blocking you? Only those men who have not the seal. You remember the chapters before where 144,000 were sealed in their foreheads by God. <laughs> now do you believe in, in, in 9 and 4 there it says, and it was commanded then they should not hurt the grass. Do you believe it's Satan saying not to hurt those things? This is Jesus Christ in full control. We're going we're to let you out. We're going to give you power. But here's what you can't do. You can't hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Because you go to 2 Timothy in 2, 2 and 19, it says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Can Satan have free reign with us if we're Christians? You remember the book of Job at all? The, the command of the Lord is what the demons have to even follow. That's why I say this to you. You cannot hurt me. Nobody in this room can hurt me. Nobody in this room can hurt me. Because the Lord is in charge of me. You understand that? You can be mean and we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You can say maligning things about me. You can 
slander my character. You can, uh, I guess, hack into my account and take the $11 that are in there. You can do a lot of things, but you can't hurt me. You can't do anything to me that God the Father and the Son have not allowed to happen to me. And I know this, if he allows it, it's for my good. If he allows it, it's for my good. Most Christians do not believe that. I want you to turn in your Bibles back for just a moment, and I want you to see with me what we're talking about here as far as I'm concerned, to Proverbs and chapter 23. 23 of Proverbs. Proverbs in chapter 23, we'll go right to it, verse 7. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I don't know that I know of a verse more powerful and more telling than this verse. Is everybody there? Almost. Proverbs 23 and verse 7. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now listen, that word heart means inner man. As a man thinketh within himself, that's exactly who he is. Our character, every one of us in this room, our character is a sum total of all of our thoughts. Who we are and how we are is a sum total of all of our thoughts. Now I want to tell you this this morning, that our minds are the battlefield of the spirit life, the spirit world. Our minds are the battlefield of the spirit life, and, and it, for Satan, it's his playground. For what he makes people believe about themselves, to me, is incredible. He is a liar, he's a deceiver, and he cannot, the Bible says, he cannot tell the truth. Jesus Christ is the truth and cannot tell a lie. So what Jesus says about me and what, and what even my own flesh would say about me, if they're in opposition to one another, guess who's right and guess who's wrong? The Bible says, and of all the Proverbs that I know, and a proverb is a general statement, generally applied, brings a general application. That's, that's, that's true. It's not a promise. But I'll tell you the clearest thing I've ever seen from Scripture that I understand and have watched in men and women around me for my lifetime is this, as a man thinketh in himself, in his core. Heart means a core. As you, as you in your very core think about yourself, that's exactly what you gravitate to be. What do you think? Amen. That's who you are. Very what do you think? That's how you will be. Very true. What is it that you think? You will gravitate toward that. That will be your reality, your truth. And the Bible says the words have power. The words have power. I'm going to tell you something. I've, I've met a lot of people in this world. And of all of them that I've met, I know me the best. But I'll tell you this. My mind governs my, my feelings, my health. It, my mind governs everything. It is the battlefield of the spirit world. My mind. As a man thinketh, so is he. We say it different today and say... I don't know, I just, it's, I feel it in my gut. <laughs> if your gut starts speaking, somebody better leave the room. If your gut starts expressing itself, it's, it's your, who you are is your core. 
But I say that's what the Old Testament was. David said, bowels was the word for heart in the Old Testament. You, you ever read that? Bowels was the Old Testament word for heart. Here, this is who I am, my core. The very core of me is this. And so the sum total of all of our thoughts is our character. It's who we are. It's how we live. It's what we think. It's what we do. As you think you do. As you think you do. You ponder something long enough and you'll do it. You think about something long enough and you'll do it. That's why the Lord says, and all the way through the Word of God, you get back to Philippians in chapter 4, and Paul said, think on these things. If you want to meditate on something, make them wholesome things and not destructive things. What if, oh, what if, what if, what if, what if? Turn that around. What if it turns out great? What if it's wonderful? What if the Bible's true? What if what the Lord says is absolutely the truth of the matter? And I'm loved beyond comprehension by a God who cannot fail. And he said to me, now you're my son. He said to me, now you're my son. And I said, I'm, I believe that. And I did, and I do. I believe that at 10 years old, I believe it more now. He said, I was his son when I said, Lord, will you save me? He said, yes, I will. And he saved me. Oh, I was an ignorant little boy. And I'm a pretty ignorant man. But I know more than I did then. And I know this. He has me in a position where I cannot fail. If I love him and trust him and follow him, no matter what the world says, no matter what my core thinks, my thoughts have to be with his thoughts to get in the word of God and to line our thoughts with his thoughts. So we'll be. So we'll be. You can be a Christian, folks. You can be a Christian on your way to heaven when you die and live this life completely outside the blessing of God. That's a, that's a tragic thing, but it's true. You can live this life and be born again on your way to heaven. Your sins are paid for. You're washed by the blood. And you can live your life in such a way that when you go to heaven, there will be not one reward waiting. You can do that. You can have no rewards when you get there, but you will get there. You will go home because you're a child of God. But along the way, listen, as we think we are, as we think we are, in this world, and people said a few things I've done in this world, and you all know the same answers, but what made you think you could do that? I never considered failure. I didn't do things, I didn't do things in my lifetime. I did not do many things based on what I thought I could do. I did things on what I wanted to do. Did I want to do that or not? I never even considered failure. If I prayed about the thing and God gave me peace about the thing, I knew it was a done deal. The people said, you, what made you think you could do that? I now am in a business. I now have a, a building in a business that two people before me failed in. They failed miserably. They failed miserably in that building. And, and so now we've been there and uh, we're heading into our 18th year in that building. And we have a full house and, and it's going very well. And people say, well, um, what made you think you could do it when two of the brightest people couldn't do it? It's not about bright. It's about faithful. And I said, well, I came in here, and I came in here at lunchtime for three days in a row. I came here on my lunch hour, and I sat in this building, and I walked around, and I prayed, and I asked the Lord if this is what he wanted me to do. And I said, on the third day, 
a man came rushing in and wanted something from the store, and I said, it's not mine, I'm just here looking it over. He said, well, I used to, I used to get this stuff. I said, well, take it, I don't care, it's not mine. And we started talking about some things, and um, I went home, and I went to bed. I do that every day, by the way. I went home, I went to bed. And I said, Lord, I'm not sure about this one. I'm not sure about this one. And it kept me awake that night, and so I turned the television on at 2 o'clock in the morning, and it was a Sam Walton story. The Sam Walton story. And I sat up to watch that because I was awake, and I thought, and it said Sam Walton had a little five and dime in Arkansas there. And his friends came in one day, and he was behind the counter, and they said, Sam, let's go across the street. Let's go across the street and get a, a roast beef sandwich. You want to? And he said, yeah. So I jumped over the counter, and I pulled the door shut and locked it, and I felt sick to my stomach. And he said, he went over and had lunch, and he came back open the store. And he thought about it for two or three days, and he told his wife one evening, I'm never doing that again. And she said, what? She said, I'm never doing that again. She goes, what are you talking about? He said, I'm never going to. I'm never going to have a business where when I'm away, it doesn't keep making money. And I asked the Lord if that was the answer. And he said to me very clearly, that's, you know, if you do this, it will give you free time. And you can leave and it still makes money. The business will go on if you're there or not. That's when, and what Sam said was, the quote from Sam Walton was, if you run a business where you have to be there to make the business go, you'll make a living. But if you can leave the building and, and it still goes on, you'll make money. Now, I never was interested in a whole lot of money, but I did want some free time. I was getting older and I knew it. But people said, how, how in the world do you think you can run this place and other people can't? Because the, I gave it to the Lord the first day. We, we walked in there and I had two people with me. They came from my old shop with me and I said, would you do something with me? We walked from room to room and gave it to the Lord. We gave it right back to him. We said, it's yours. It's not mine. I don't even want this place. I don't want it. I don't want the responsibility of it, and I don't want to take care of it, and I don't want all that thing, but Lord, it's yours, and I'll do the maintenance, but I'll be doing it for you. And can I tell you something? Prospered from day one. Never had a time where the Lord didn't prosper us in business. Now, can I tell you, you can live inside or outside the blessing. You can go for things that the Lord doesn't want for you personally, but you can go for those things. But as you think inside your heart, that's who you really are. I want to say one more thing as we, as we are in there. I teach this often and, and people raise their eyebrows at me or my family just raised one eyebrow. That's all they can do. It's a Proverb 18. Proverb 18 and verse 16. And the Bible says, and you can look this up and I want you to, a man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. If the Lord, listen, you were born with a purpose and a plan and you were gifted to, to fulfill that. I want these children, I want my grandkids, nobody else hears me. I'm going to yell at these kids every time. You're, you were born with a purpose. Praise God. God born you with a plan. There's a plan for your life, and if you execute that plan, if you get close enough to the Lord to discover the purpose for your life, why you were born, if you get close enough to him to figure that out, and he, he promises he'll give you the gifts to do it and to do it well. 
What does that do now? The proverb says it'll bring you before great men, but what that means is you'll have to back down to no one. You will prosper in such a way that the whole world sees that this is God's hand and you have joy, you have peace and prosperity. Not saying you'll be the wealthiest person in town, but if you're in God's plan, you could care less about that. That's not what you're looking for is wealth. You're looking for God's favor. So the command, what do we do? Here we go. The command was not to hurt any green thing. I wanted to show you the difference as I um, contrast that of Exodus. And by the way, all of these uh, plagues here, the last two chapters, are tied to the ten plagues of Egypt when Moses was there. They're the same plagues. But look, it says, And the locusts went over all the land of Egypt and rested in all the coasts of Egypt. Very grievous were they. Before them there were no such locusts as they. And look what it says now. And neither after them shall be such. These are not that kind of locusts. What they do. For they covered the face of the whole earth so that the land was darkened. And they did eat every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hail <laughs> had left. These people have a good time. Which, if the hail left anything, the locusts ate it. And there remained not any green thing in the trees or in the herbs of the fields through all the land of Egypt. So these are not normal locusts. And we need to close this morning. The time has gotten away, but I want to say this to you as we close. That's the locust plague of Egypt. When you go through the 8th, 9th, and 10th chapter of Revelation, it's reminiscent and it takes us back to all those plagues. But listen, this is how the Bible works. I want you to get this. This is how the Bible works. You think about Haman. You think about Haman building gallows for the Jews. Who hung on those gallows? Haman and his family. Who hung on the gallows that Haman made for the Jews? Haman and his family, because you reap what you sow. When you go back to the plagues, and you go back to the plagues of the ten, of, uh, the ten plagues of Egypt when Moses and Pharaoh were at war, trying to find out... Pharaoh said, who is this God? I don't know this God. And Moses said, oh, you want to know him? You want to know him a little bit about him? Okay, here's what we do. And he said, all of the things now that the world worshipped, all the things that they had as gods became a plague to them. They worshipped flies. They worshipped uh, frogs. They worshipped all the things that came as a plague God, uh, or as gods. Moses made his plagues. But here's what I want you to get. In Egypt... God brought the plagues on in a localized situation to show the world his power. In Egypt, he said, there's a man in charge and there's my man. And they're, and they're having difficulty. And the man that's in charge of the world, which my man actually walked away from, he said, my man had the ability and, and, and the right, but he walked away to follow me. And now, and now Pharaoh's against him. And the whole world gets to see this drama played out. So God called down the plagues to show the world who he was and what happens to those who say, I don't know this God and I don't want to know him. We're doing very well without him. In the book of Revelation, what you see is all the plagues through the Bible, all the promises through the Bible, all the things that happened to people who weren't believers through the Bible, and God said, now it's on a massive scale, it's worldwide. More than that, 
it's universal. Because what you keep seeing in Revelation is some action in heaven, the cause in heaven, and the effect on earth. There's a cause in heaven, God says, makes a, makes a judgment, makes a decree, an angel sounds, that is, that is heralding God's commands, and then the action that's on the earth of the plagues and the death and the bloodshed and the torment. And that's exactly what the... That's why you have to know the rest of the Bible to understand the book of Revelation. Understand that? The plagues in Egypt were localized, and, and trust me, the world heard about them. The whole world heard about them, but they were localized to Egypt. This next time, it's going to be worldwide. And next time, see, Pharaoh could have always repented. He could have always said, let's stop this. God's God. Let's stop this. He would not. But the Bible says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. What that meant was he squeezed out what was in his heart. He wrung, he wrung forth is what it says. The same word we use for tourniquet is what they have in there. That God, God forced his heart. And so um, what we see here is these locusts, if you see that with me, the last thing it says about the locusts is um, in verse 14, there's the last of verse 14. Before them there were no such locusts as they, neither after them shall be such. And so we have to get their effect now. In those days shall man seek death, they shall not find it, they shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were, and God wants you to use your imagination. They were like horses prepared to battle. On their heads were as crowns of gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. And they had hair of a woman, teeth of a lion. Isn't this a pretty thing? I saw this guy down in Lawrence the other night. He was eating ice cream. Looked like a horse. With a man's face, a woman's hair, lion's teeth. And they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots. Many horses running the battle. They're loud. And their tails were like the tails of scorpions. And there were stings in their tails. And their power was to hurt men for five months. In the Old Testament, the locusts, that's their lifespan. A locust can sting you, and you, it, you can, then it, a locust lifespan was, nine, was five months, and then it would die. And it's still true. A locust lifespan is, is uh, five months. But it says in verse 11, they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name is in the Hebrew tongue of Baden, which means actually destruction. But in the Greek tongue, his name is Apollyon, destroyer. Don't you believe that's who was given the key in the first and second verse? I do. They had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit. Now we're going to quit. The time has run out, but I want to say this to you. In the next trumpet, in the next trumpet, the difference is, in verse 15, it says they are to slay one-third part of men. And the number of the army that went before them as horsemen were 200,000,000. That's a, that's a 200 million army. 200 million army. 
And what they're going to slay is now, they're going to slay a third part of the men and women on the earth. And if you put that with Roman, with the Revelation 6, where they are ready now, and the fourth seal, it says the, uh, the pale horse rider, he had, a, he had a sword which wished to kill with hunger and death and with the beast of the earth. And he was to kill a fourth part of the earth. When you get to this part of the tribulation, one half of the earth is going to be dead. When you add those two together, a third and a fourth, one half of the earth is going to be destroyed. An army of 200 million of these locusts comes out, and it says in the next chapter, listen, listen, here's the problem, and we're done. It says in the next chapter, here's the problem. The last two verses at the end of this chapter. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of their works. They should not worship de devils or idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. They uh, neither repented they of their murders, of their sorceries, of their fornications, nor of their thefts. That is the problem. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the days pits open? And these things come out and look like locusts the size of horses. They have a man's face, a woman's hair, lion's teeth. They have a gold crown on their head, and their tail is a scorpion. Their tail is a serpent, it says in this next part of the chapter. Out of their mouth comes fire and brimstone. They can, they can just burn you to death with their mouth. Or from the other end, they have a snake head on their tail, and a scorpion is this bite of a snake. Can you imagine now that this world is not going to repent? Matter of fact, when you read that, when you read that in the original language and, and the color of the language, it says this: they're going to go harder for the for the for the vulgar things of their life. They're going to get deeper into sorceries and fornication and worship of idols. That's what we're that's what we're looking at in the world. And so we as Christians look at the world and we hear some news and we watch what's on the news and we go, "What in the world are those people thinking?" That's what they're thinking. The Lord told us. They're thinking. Um, by the way, they they. Um, they overtly worship now behemoth. They worship the gods of the Old Testament. That one, what was that goat on a throne with the uh, Bathmat? Bathomet? I don't even know how to say those names. Bathomet. Bathmat. But they have those things and, and they're going to say, this has gotten so bad we're going to call upon our gods just as they did before Elijah. We're going to call upon their gods to come harder. And then there's going to be one battle, one more battle. And I can't believe it. I just can't believe it when I read it. They're going to see Christ come on a white horse with King of Kings, Lord of Lords on his thighs written, armies of saints behind him. And they're going to say, okay, let's get him. <laughs> you talk about deception. And it says, with the sword of his mouth. <laughs> He'll slay them with the sword of his mouth. Folks, I, don't, I know, that, I know that, that that may not be interesting to you. It should be fascinating, the word of God is, but I want to say this to you. You're not going to be there if you're a Christian. We're not going to be there. But we have family and we have friends who, who stand right now to go into that. That's what we need to talk to. 
That's who we need to talk to. You don't want anybody going there. You don't feel, you don't hate anybody enough. You hope they go through that. You don't. If you think you do, you don't understand who you are in Christ. You don't you don't feel that way about anybody. I've had people say to me, "Well, good. I hope they burn in hell." Really, that's not a Christian attitude. I hope they repent and God restores them and they get judgment, maybe. But I don't want them to go to hell. Nobody. Nobody. Okay. Try to calm down just a little bit because we gotta go home. I don't want you driving in this state. <laughs> Slumber. Um, folks, this is stuff that we need to know. I was talking to a friend the other day and he said, I don't even know a pastor that will go through a revelation with the church anymore. It's in there for a reason. Amen, brother. We need to know about it. And if this doesn't wake you up to serve him now and tell other people, well, I tell people and they're not very receptive. Well, if you get one, if you snatch one from the fire along the way, God bless you. That's an eternal soul. Amen. All right. So we're going to sing again. Okay. Let's do that. What? Can make it? No, no. Can. Go ahead and make it. Well, I just want to remind everyone we have uh, little slips of paper back there by the door to fill out with your name and your address. No, no name and birthday. We don't need the year. We just want the month and day. And put it in the boxes to buy it. We also have three by five cards there. If you have a suggestion that you'd like to see happen at some time in the future, you can put that in the box as well. But um, we just want to know 